Raphael, Raphael, Raphael. You're so far away. I don't know if this message is reaching you. <laughs> Are we as far away from each other as possible? Like, I just want to explain to our listeners right now. Raphael is in Tokyo and I'm in Toronto. I like that. Tokyo to Toronto. But there's like a delay on Skype. Like, there's a physical internet delay. And I, th- you're saying it's the hotel, but my theory is... It's actually the distance of it's the circumference of the Earth. It's like light speed. Yeah, is yeah, not light fast speed enough. Is not that fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, maybe That's because I always interrupt you, that that this episode it will sound normal. Yeah, that's right. There's going to be these little uh, these little pauses. But what you could do, actually, yeah, it'll just sound totally normal because you're probably already talking as I'm trailing off my sentences. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but, so uh, uh, sorry to to you, yeah, the alliteration <laughs> of Tokyo and Toronto is is fun, but I'm in Tawada. Oh, that's it sounds cool too. So Tawada, uh, Toronto. And why are you in Tawada? Well, I know why you're in Tawada, but um, maybe our I, listeners. I, will yeah, know. I'm also. I have an exhibition, my first solo museum show here in Tawada, in the north of Japan, and then I'm in a group <laughs> show in Tokyo as well. So I'm here for two reasons in Japan. Wow. I mean, you've really conquered the Japanese <laughs> the Japanese market. But to have your first solo museum show there, I think, really does say something about like the Japanese appetite for your, your style of work. Yeah, I, I think objectively there's a, a, there's a whole lineage of uh, clear line, a clear line, what do you call that? The, the sort of comic strip style of drawing that they did already centuries before. Um, mm-hmm. And video games. They don't and, call it. They don't call sorry? that like manga or something. That's not like manga is not the official name. No, uh, what I mean is if you depict the world in a sort of diagrammatic way before manga, I'm talking about oh. 500 years ago, that you yeah, yeah. you think in yeah. outlines and and fill those with solid colors, and that is a whole. Uh, that's more than a branch of a tree. That's like a whole way of thinking and depicting and I, I think I fit in that uh, trajectory in that sort of style you know it's actually kind of an interesting segue into what we wanted to talk about and yeah so despite the awkward pauses that might ensue throughout this episode um, you know the idea of reading comic books or pictorial style of something is like this uh, leads me to think like oh um, you know maybe I could just consume this uh, comfortable version of the world at home in my slippers <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe I don't need to go out. Yeah, yeah it's live on Instagram. So yeah, of. yeah. But we wanted to talk today. We wanted to talk t- to today about sort of staying home or maybe the opposite, not going out. Because you you sent me an article about uh, that people are not going out at all or less and less than they used to. Yeah, there was a there was some kind of a. a accidental environmental benefit the last few years and they were calculating why why people were using less energy and it turned out that because people stay home so much they don't drive to the mall they a lot of people work from home and slowly that staying at home is becoming more and more and turns out that's good for the environment it it's a good thing for the environment yeah but it depends on what kind of environment you're thinking about like the cultural environment could uh, uh, carbon suffer. carbon offset like, maybe maybe more specific. It's it's good for, <laughs> in terms of carbon offset. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, so even yeah. though you might be like at home with the TV on and internet blaring, 
and you know all your slow cooking devices cooking up whatever. Yeah, that's, that's why that that's power why consumption I never doesn't try equal. To, yeah, I I think that's why I never try to pretend that I'm ecologically minded because even if I would bring uh, my own grocery bag my whole life, that would never offset the travel that I do. Right, right, right. Sure, travel, but staying home is like. Basically, what you're saying is we're living closer and closer to something like, you know, the matrix where we're all plugging into like a pod and that pod is like super, it's more like we're, yeah, we're giving we're energy like in some into some kind of a system. Yeah, gel, <laughs> gel egg state. <laughs> you know what's funny about the gel egg state? I was just watching this. There's this new uh, Netflix show called like um, something carbon. I can't remember the, the first part. It's like atomic carbon or something like that. And... Like it also has this like gel state that the people come out of. And of course, there's like, you know, it's a trope in all science fiction, seemingly where your body is preserved or there's some kind of shell body. And it always comes out of like this it's kind of like the gel womb. fluid. Yeah, yeah I suppose yeah. it's like the womb. It always looks like like Elmer's glue mixed with water or something like that. Well, like I, it's just, I think that they, I mean, often, often there, there are tropes in cinema that. It just a practical like if you would come out of liquid the liquid falls down so quickly that you don't see the remnants so they're like oh well let's use gel then that takes about five minutes before it drops down oh i see what you're saying because otherwise it, yeah it would just it would it would be over it it wouldn't be like as dramatic this the dripping would yeah persist. if you if you, if you uh, fall out of the it, if the matrix pod was like a hot tub it wouldn't be as dramatic yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like, I guess this, the, the point I'm trying to make though, is that like, we're closer and closer to living inside of a bag. Like in Toronto where I live, most people now live in condominiums that are, you know, increasingly small. And I, that's probably true. Would that be true of New York as well? Or at least they, they're living in, in small apartments, right? No, people live in huge lofts and houses with yards and horses mm. and no, of course it's small. Yeah. Is that... Yeah, no, I know, I know. But I mean, is it? I would say it's most people. And, and you're in Japan, so there you're closer to living inside of a plastic bag full of gel, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, <laughs> yeah, they've had the compact life for a long time. For longer. And I think previously we've talked about in Hong Kong, like people living inside what are called coffin apartments, which are just big enough like for you to lie down. Yeah, what more do you need? <laughs> well, at that point, it's very ecological, though, right? Um, I was talking to my mother yeah. earlier today, and she was telling me when we were kids, she would, like, carry us around inside of a tennis bag. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, I mean, what if there was a home in the home? Like, what if to travel, you, you know, the, 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 you would just, like, it was a pod that got picked up and moved around. You know, we're not actually that far from that. There's always this myth, or, or it's not a myth, but a trope in architecture of creating the perfect home would be built inside of a shipping container. Um, and it's perfect because it's so efficient for transport. But I've never, you know, frankly, we're not moving our homes around that way, but they almost like project this future in which um, your permanent residence is not so permanent in terms of geolocation. It's like it's moving around the planet using the efficiency of the yeah, shipping yeah, networks yeah. that are already established. And it seems but to me to be an a, extension of this. Yeah, sorry, go for it. There's a, there's a funny contradiction of the, the compact life and if you spend a lot of time at home. So the, those are two, uh, they're, ju- they're, mm-hmm. they're opposites. But tiny houses became this thing in America as well. 
Yeah, but it's it's funny that if you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be more and more at home and I don't have to go shopping and I don't have to eat out, I can order everything. That means if you mm-hmm. also live in a small place, that then your life is even smaller. So you would, logically, you would think, okay, if we're more at home, then you can live outside of the city and order everything. And mm-hmm. But this contradicts everything, every other statistic I've heard about the Amer- average American home, which apparently has been growing or on the rise for well over three decades now since you know after the war the home sizes yeah. have just continued to grow and i was you know over the holidays i was staying in arizona and of course you know there was a two-car garage in the place that i stayed but then there was still room outside for like another two cars i don't know who has four cars yeah, it never rains <laughs> or why they need that much space yeah it never rains yeah. it's true yeah. um but it seemed like Jeremy, an absurd amount of space for questions. a single uh, family. You're, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> In the U.S., you don't say, what do you need? You say, what do you want? Oh. But if you're a slave to the Matrix, <laughs> then you don't have a choice if you're just plugged in. Uh, yeah, but you I don't, don't know. know that you're and, and plugged it, in, yeah. so you, you can have the, the dream you want. Okay. No, but, so, I, but I really, I really people, always... Yeah. I always thought when the internet came along that there would be a move away from cities, but statistics proved me wrong. So, I would say I will say this: like I used to do video screenings all the time, and before the internet and after internet, there was a huge drop off in audiences at festivals. So there was this huge festival circuit for video art, and then video came online on the internet, and it wasn't very good. But as soon as it got good enough that it, you couldn't really tell the difference in quality immediately the audiences shrank by about, you know, at least half. Um, and most of the festivals have now disappeared completely, including big ones like the New York Underground Film Festival, um, and deemed themselves irrelevant. Even some of them, I think, even as they were doing pretty well, were like, no, you know what, people don't want this so much anymore. They're just consuming. They kind of got ahead of themselves and, and just killed themselves off. Um, and I don't know. I, I wonder whether the regular art world is that way too with all this sort of with Instagram art and, and so on and so forth. And I go to fewer openings, but I can't tell if it's just because I'm older than 30. And there's like, there's generally a drop off in people going out after a certain age. And certainly after they've been with, um, you know, in a partner, uh, sort of as a couple in a partnership for a while, like if they've been married or have had a long term relationship or something like that. Uh, typically, you know, there's no reason to go out in a way if, um, well, I don't know how to put this, but if like you're looking, if you're going out because you're looking for, you know, potential partner or something. Um, why, why is it so, so hard for you to say dating? This, like, I don't know. Uh, because like no one wants to say this, that people go to openings to find a date. Well, of course, people get together to meet other people. And uh, if, if you're not dating anyone, yeah. of course you're looking for. Yeah, I mean the yeah, it's weird though. Like, I don't know if that's why I went to openings. But there's nothing. But, there's nothing um, wrong with re- like meet, meeting your partner at at church or at school or at work. So why not at an opening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I guess you're right. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that that's the only reason to go. But then again, like maybe Tinder has made like that even that aspect of an opening less uh, less attractive or something. Yeah, 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 and it it just seems with with software design and the way things are going, there's less reasons to go out of the house. So a guy reached out to me earlier today on Twitter, and he was like, "I want to show you this new app I have, and what it is is like if you're getting ready to go out, it's going to show you all the top clubs in your area, 
and you can you can see who's there and what what clubs are trending because we have a special algorithm that can and it'll sh- and it like the the app shows you like the percentage of men and women and what a- what like club is heating <laughs> up and stuff. And I was thinking like, whoa, like do we really need? It? I mean, that is definitely like optimizing if you are gonna go out. Well, you better make sure the algorithm says it's a good idea to go to that bar. Was no it Foursquare kind kind of trying to do that? Kind of trying to do that. Yeah, Foursquare did did try and do that, and still kind of does. But it really is more like, hey, you're in this area, you should try like these three places. It's not like real time. They okay. do do check ins though, so it's almost but, like and check ins are in, like uh, it. It's kind of like Grinder, I guess. Yeah, but check-ins are an interesting thing for us to talk about a little bit as as we're discussing like going out because not only would you go out, I don't know if people are still doing check-ins. There seemed to be a check-in craze. Like Foursquare, like you said, was sort of the you know originator of this idea, but then they split into two apps: one Foursquare, and then this other one, um, which actually I don't well, even they, remember they had, they what had it's the called. Game Swarm. Aspect, which, yeah, but the game aspect was kind yeah, of you what could you're become talking mayor. What's hot? Yeah, yeah. Well, you could become mayor of a place and get discounts and stuff. And um, but the the fact that you would have you would, like the going somewhere was now like a monumental event. I think <laughs> like that you would <laughs> earn, like earn you'd earn credits for actually leaving your home. It's kind of an interesting interesting angle on this idea of uh, staying in versus going out. But 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 for you personally, um, you're you're married and uh, you're happily married and you work with people all day long so i imagine it's really nice for you to go home and, and have some quiet yeah okay so i'll tell you like the most exciting night of the week is like friday night after i finished a week of work that i i have absolutely you know no one's asking there's no wor- more work i can do and i could just like lay on the couch kind of thing um <laughs> it sounds so sad but it's like it's so exciting is because it? no one's expecting an email reply from you on a friday night Yeah, but why is that sad? I don't know. I, I maybe it's not sad. It's just like it, that's yeah. I mean, like sitting, like binge watching TV, you know, of a of a Friday evening. I guess it seems sad because what I really should be doing is like my friends are probably putting on some kind of event somewhere, or doing something really interesting, and I should be like seeking out that additional stimulation. But I'm my honestly at that on that Friday evening, my brain is usually so fried from like pretty much five days of constant intensity um, that like, I'm like, I just want one night's like rest without thinking about anything. Yeah. 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 yeah I always, I prefer I think going that's why I li- during, during the day. I, I'm not such a night person. Mm-hmm. It, it, me and You're Christina, not- we, if we eat out, it's more in the evenings during the week because the Friday night and Saturday night are so busy. And so the, Sometimes we walk around on a Saturday night and it, we're like, it's this other world that we're not a part of. And you're like, wow, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really exciting when you go to a foreign city as well, because, you know, of course you're going to go out because like, that's where if you stay in, you really feel bad. You're like, what? I'm in Havana. Like, I'm not going to stay. <laughs> um, and so then you do I, go out. It's and, funny, though. Uh, yeah, last year, I was here in, in Tokyo in Roppongi, and it's kind of the, the club area and a lot of drunk people. And I was jet lagged, so I was felt just like, let's go for a walk. And the people were so drunk, like beyond, beyond drunk. So people really, literally puking everywhere and just lashing on to you and be like hey what are you doing here just, it was kind of like a zombie movie 
<laughs> and I'm completely sobered and jet lagged. And for me, it's like 8 a.m. And for them, they're all uh, drenched in sweat and puke and everything. And you're looking around like, this is so weird. This is so far from my world. It's like a zombie movie, kind of, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, like, if, if you would go to a nightclub, uh, but just straight from the airport... Okay, here's what I want to talk about, though. I mean, our listeners, I know, skew a little bit younger. But as you get older, like, you actually want... It's really hard to get back into that way of being. <laughs> so, and it's not because you couldn't do it, but it's because you actually don't... No one else is doing it in your in your kind of social network. And so, um, like, say I wanted to go out dancing tonight, right? Like, and it's a Sunday night, but let's just... Pret- actually, even a Sunday night when I was 25, I could find a night it would be really almost impossible for me to find another human being that wanted to do that with me. It, like the only exception to that I'll say is happens within art world context where there's like, I mean, I know you went out to do karaoke the other night where there's some kind of like forced celebration and, and, and we should yeah. go dancing or something. Um, but in my, I'll say, because I also have a work life that that happens zero times out of 10 with even among slightly, you know, uh, even among rather younger people, the it's just not it doesn't happen i'm not even sure if but, that culture exists anymore that's the weird thing but do you do you have a lot of people in your company who work from home part of the week um only like a few very few people it's kind of like a policy not to do that yeah cuz i i would think objectively if you spend uh, 8 to 9 hours of the day intensely with other people that it's perfectly normal to want some time by yourself yeah, it is. I mean, in fact, when there's a party at work, they used to be kind of crazy. But as we've all gotten a little bit older, like the overall demographic, I think of where I work has gotten a little bit older. I found the parties like increasingly awkward. Um, but it could just be yeah. me. This is the thing. This is the thing that I, I guess no, my I mean, point. It, it, do you watch the TV show so Silicon far. Valley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just yeah. Nerds. I mean, it, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be different if you were uh, like a, a music label. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your accounting if I software music, company is it doesn't get much nerdier <laughs> than that. <laughs> all right, all right. So, I mean, I, I, if I have my experience and you have your experience, your experience though, you were. Have you ever been part of a party scene or a group of people that always go out? Uh, yeah, like in art school, high school, art school, like between fifteen and twenty-five or something. Mm-hmm. And what was like? What was driving you to go out? Was it like peer pressure? Was it like your friends? It was fun. Yeah, Did you actually enjoy fun. it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, it just stupid. Okay, stuff. so I want to tell you a story. I, I have I've been working with an assistant, and she probably wouldn't mind that I'm talking about her. She'll know who she is as I start to talk about her. Actually, after I said mm-hmm. assistant, I know she listens to the show, but um, she throughout her high school and and early twenties kind of. Uh, was really, really kind of raised on the internet. And all of her social activity was entirely on the internet. And so yeah, that's the she's told me so like... It's a really her, different era. Yeah, but her, her, her first social interactions actually were really, really difficult for her. Um, and because they, she was so rooted in these online conversations that were very different, she didn't really know how to engage in like social out, uh, you know, offline conversations. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, did I have a similar experience? And I thought, 
Well, kind of, but not a hundred percent. And for her, it was really like a hundred percent of her friends were online, right? Yeah, and she had never, think, think you know, necessarily really, met them in person. It, it's, I think that's really a paradigm shift. It's really, it, those worlds are very far from each other. We really grew up without surveillance cameras or uh, uh, videos, so we could act out and do weird stuff. And you, you wouldn't worry that those, whatever stupid thing you did, would be recorded. I think that's already very different. And I don't know. I grew up before the internet, so. Yeah, but I just keep thinking, like, God, like, are, am I? Is it like? It seems almost like cliche. Like I'm an old man being like, "Oh, the kids are today." But is the future like a like it, we forced socialization where everyone just stands together, <laughs> not talking? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who knows that? But that said, it, she's incredible. She's she's very sweet and incredibly social, actually. Uh, yeah. Now. So I don't I don't know. I think you can get over it. It's like it's like um but it's like learning what, to drive be, or something. I don't know. What would be the most biologically the most natural state for people to socialize? Is is it are we adapted to be in a a village of about a thousand people or a, a little yeah, tribe yeah. So of I think about that that's what people yeah. a few people write about that and the idea, you know, that that we can't really understand more than hundred and fifty people is like the ideal group size. It's like called Dunbar's yeah. rule or whatever. I think that's the and so after that. Yeah, but there's also after the 150 of inbreeding. Inbreeding, oh, in that situation from an evolutionary yeah, standpoint. If, yeah, but you can go you, from if you really between grow villages. up in a. Yeah, if you grow up in a village of yeah, but you can understand how awkward it is if you've only grown up in one village and then you have to find a your partner in another village. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I think that's why there were arranged marriages, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But aside from uh, finding your life partner, it, it's also interesting to me just the daily things that uh, are not so dramatic and life-changing, but just doing groceries and getting lunch and uh, all those small things. What I mean is if you if you have a daily routine mm-hmm. and it's built in, then it's just part of how you operate. So, for example... We had to invent sports because our daily routines have so little movement. But before sports, it was just part. There was no car, so you just had to walk a long way. <laughs> right, or you'd and actually so have to chop if, your uh, own what, wood what or something I, like that. Yeah, and and what I mean is maybe that if daily life doesn't actually require you to leave the house, then you have to invent other things like sports, but then for social things. Yeah, I think that that's interesting and it's probably true and so i mean what are the modern things that we've invented it seems like fitness is one of the things that we've said okay we can't live without fitness so we're going to force these like social fitness events like yoga or like uh spin classes or now it seems like rock climbing is like the is the uh which is weird too because rock climbing is incredibly solitary it's it's funny that all these things are the side effects of efficiency Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. funny because even the smallest little thing, like you mentioned, you, you like for example, I was with a a friend in Chicago, was staying with him, and he needed batteries for his remote control, and I was like, oh, don't worry, I'll just like pop out to the store and get some for you right now. He's like, no, don't worry, uh, I already ordered them on Amazon Prime, and they're supposed to arrive within an hour. And I was like, oh, so I guess I won't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even try. Uh, yeah. And like that really kind of hit home was like, okay, uh, even the smallest little thing that you used to get, you know, nearby because it was, of course, batteries. I'm not going to wait for batteries. You don't even have to wait for them anymore. 
Yeah, but if 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 humans, uh, uh, for example, in any organism is kind of a uh, a bag trying to contain energy. It's 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 like it's greedy. It's like I want to keep the energy. So you naturally don't want to move. You only move if you're hungry. That's I think that's our basic mm -hmm. programming. So we invent things like sports, but it, most people don't do it because that you're you're. Your deep programming is telling you no. Just sit because then you'll retain your energy. It's better. Okay, um, so I then and, I have to and, get this and, off and, my and, chest, and, which is like, uh, well, I have a ton of energy. Like I, I have more energy today than I did ten years ago. No, but you you don't do that much actual physical exercise, or do you? Mm -hmm. I do a lot of mental exercise. What I what I, I mean, I mean I'm is always doing what, things. No, but what I mean is you know that push-ups are good for you or sit-ups or whatever, and it would be better for your posture, but your mm -hmm. deep programming tells you, no, just sit and keep your energy. Don't use your energy. That said, like, uh, exercise is proven to sort of release endorphins, and so people do get addicted to, like, like there are all these running clubs in every city, and people often join yeah, these clubs. Yeah, but we can, we can safely I guess say what I was getting on, at, on yeah. average that there's a there's an obesity health crisis. It's it's I'm just my thesis that on average humans mm -hmm. would rather sit and uh, take energy than run around. It's not about you. This is about the average human being. I know you're perfect, Yeah, that's not but, but uh, no, it's not about uh, me, but I think I no, but I'm in a city. But <laughs> no, no, I'm just no, saying my, like my point you're, my no, 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 I'm trying to make a point. Let, let me let me finish. Okay. The, my point is that If we are bags that are trying to collect energy and not spend energy, and I think on average you can see that, you can see the results of that, how is that that if you don't need to interact with humans, that maybe most people in their basic programming are antisocial and shy? That's what I'm talking about. The, we invented sports, but most people don't do them. And then if we have to invent some kind mm -hmm. of social But there are sport, different personality types, right? Like to, yeah, but it, I, I'm... I'm It, it, I have no metrics about this, but I'm just curious that if you take away mm. the need for social interaction, how many people would still do it? Well, I think like the point I would make is that probably those people that are social are not all are also not engaging um, socially outside of the home. They're using other ways. They're chatting either on their phone or you know on their laptop. Um, through some online community or they're like gaming is a huge thing like online gaming. And if you've participated yeah. in certain online game networks, it's a very social experience. I often it's like a different kind, when I was you younger and spending a lot on of, and off, it's very different than going to high school and being stuck in a room with 20 people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but there you go. Like if you described socializing in high school as a product and you said, Hey, there's this other product called online gaming I mean, the online gaming product sounds a lot better. It's your friends. You're doing something totally surreal and out of this world. Um, it's like it's it's gamified in a way that like drives you to to work together as a team. You get this kind of team rush, and and at the end of the day, like, hey, you didn't you didn't have to get out of your comfortable, uh, you know, cozy pants or whatever. Yeah, I I think I think I'm running into the problem that I don't have the statistics, so I I don't know if there's an how much there's an increase in anxiety and suicide, but you you, you can safely say uh, life expectancy went up. So you can say, okay, people are healthier than before. It really depends on your perspective. No, but the point I would make, though, is that, like, what is... So here's the thing. Touch is what you would get in a physical space. And 
this is takes me back to my original point about dancing. And when I was young, the reason to go out was actually to dance. And the reason to dance was to feel a physical connection with other human beings. And my favorite dance clubs were so hot and sweaty that you were one organism. And I've talked to a lot of you know people who go to uh, you know to major dance clubs in Berlin. It goes and stuff. back to like, the Matrix as well. Is it? How does it? Oh, because they have that big like party. And when they they're like in the the center of the earth, and they, uh, they they all the people that are out of the matrix, and they feel their bodies, and they're like it's kind of like a Burning Man scene. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's so true, and that's probably why Burning Man exists too. Is this like people still have this like deep desire to connect physically with other people, um, and I think we're really shy about talking about that. And so there are a few havens for that kind of physicality. And it's not always sexual or carnal. Sometimes it's just about community. And I think in my best dance experiences, because I was sort of the dance events that I would go to when I was growing up in my 20s, they were like these queer nights and they weren't about sexual touching for me anyway. They were about connecting with other people and connecting with them physically, not necessarily sexually. No, I'm not saying that like there were there weren't people that were doing that as well, but for me it was always like this expression, this physical expression between people that was non-sexual, um, and the sexual part is fine too. But I'm just saying like I think that we're missing something, and that's where you would feel like you know depression. Yeah, enters, but it's, touch it, it has been shown I, to be important. I, yeah, it, also I think uh, it's proven that physical movement. Uh, decreases the chance of depression it still doesn't mean that people will do it i think on average mm-hmm. people are uh, behind their exercise schedule not ahead of it mm-hmm. but what's interesting is like we're this in is, a this we're is basically maybe a, the, this, the same thing with what i said about poetry where in theory you think that poetry is important and that you should explore it but in reality you don't spend so much time reading poetry right but you know we're we're approaching like seven billion people on the planet, and there's like more people. So the density of humans, like side by side, is is at like record highs, and yet, like you're saying, the isolation, like and as Sherry Turkle has said, and we've talked about previously, yeah, we're all kind of living funny. alone together. Yeah, it is really very, funny. It's a really interesting, interesting contradiction. Yeah, but you know, some people or urban sociologists would argue that the first technologies designed to isolate us from other human beings emerged after urbanization because. For example, headphones allow you to spend less time, you know, you're less overwhelmed walking through a city if people can't interrupt you every two seconds. It was like you were saying in that Japanese or that district of Tokyo where everyone was drunk and touching you and pulling you down. You really can't deal with that 24-7. And so to turn that off, the first thing you do is put on headphones, right? Yeah. Um, But the next thing you do is you buy a condominium and you get a Netflix account. (laughs) Anyway, that's kind of my good point. <laughs> go uh, yeah, but like, uh, do you, what do you and Christina do? You do go out for food. Like, food seems to have replaced, at least I've noticed culturally, well, uh, dancing walk, the, the, and the, drinking. The, 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 yeah, the the weekends we walk around and uh, have lunch somewhere, maybe go to a museum or go to the park, and the evening. But you see what I'm saying about food? We spend at home. Yeah, but everyone yeah, sure. everyone is into food culture now, and I would I would argue that the but reason is that they're our in age food group culture, also? Uh, no, 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 absolutely not. Because I know a ton of millennials, special I know as people I work with yet again nerds, uh, but they're 
And if you just look at even at the shows that are on TV, like the Food Network as a television station didn't emerge until the 1990s. And, and then from there, it's only expanded. If you look at Netflix, even like the top shows right now are all food shows. And so yeah. there's like at least 10 street food shows. So is there that even a reason to travel? Is for of, food? We're, we're, we're bags trying to collect energy and not spend energy. That's really funny, right? So we just seek out. So when we're, yeah, even when we're at home, we're like, mm, how am I going to get more energy? <laughs> I'm going to watch shows about how to get it, how to get the best energy <laughs> for my, <laughs> it's a really depressing point of view. I don't know. But I, what I, well, I get out I of like it's, a it's dining experience. It's not depressing, but it's, it's the basic, it, it's our basic uh, genetic programming that uh, there's a scarcity and we have to make sure we don't die and uh, being uh, overweight is safer than being underweight. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, not. I mean, to a point, of course. Yeah. But I find well, that, you know, one thing that, that you actually, can procreate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not that you yeah. can live until ninety, but. Uh, so the place I'm at these days, having gone like vegetarian during the day, is that there's so little choice to eat that I desire eating a lot less. And then, oh, so the I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to think of, of what I less. Yeah. Exactly. It's like oh, like. The thought of going to a restaurant, there's like, it's like, what are they going to do different with tofu? I don't really care. <laughs> it's, like, it's probably not going to be that great. Uh, I think you would love New like York the number of ways I've had to keep options. <laughs> yeah, but there's right. a lot of options yeah. in New York. I, I don't like it. I'm into pulled yam right now. <laughs> it's like, it's, mm. But it's like, it still tastes like a goddamn yam. You know, it's like, there's, but there's <laughs> so many uh, interesting ways to make a vegetable soup. Mm. Well, that's what's interesting about like for a second, just to have some fun. Like on Star Trek, you know how they have like the you know food materializer. What do they call it? Yeah. What's it called? It's like I don't know. God, I don't know. We're gonna get ch- emails. You know that. <laughs> well, the thing is, I've always wondered why they always they ordered such boring things. Like they would get like, oh, I want like pasta carbonara or something like that. You'd be like. You could like theoretically, you should be able to order anything, and you could invent something new. You could be like, "Hey, uh, food materializer," I'd order. I'd say, "Hey, I want something no one has ever tasted before." I I bet that once you have all the options, then you just want some fried eggs. You just want to. Yeah, but I bring it up as a point that, like, if we had something like that in our homes, we definitely wouldn't go out. And and we do actually have something like that in our homes right now that. Which is like takeout, I would assume, is like off the charts in terms of uh, our consumption yeah. of it versus like 20 years ago. Like Uber Eats yeah. or Foodora or, or what's, the, what's the one in the US? Seamless. It's like, um, seamless. Seamless. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Seamless is even from like local restaurants, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like any restaurant can be takeout now. And so when you go, I don't know if you've noticed this in New York, but when you go out to eat, whether it's easy to get a table or not. Mm, it depends on the night of the week. Right, right, right. But so if it's during the week, saying people it's stay home. Okay. But I, I, I think to me, um, food delivery, the, the, the time difference between the pan and you, the, the moment you bite the food, that's mm-hmm. like 45 minutes to an hour, that's way too long. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like this is new. Fast food is like a new culture, right? Like, or having it fast. But I guess it's just bringing it into the home. Because previously, like, you know, you, you know, the bistro, we, which we've talked about, was very fast. Or, yeah. you know, getting a coffee in Italy, you know, is something you did at a counter you didn't sit down for. Well, I, I think we can safely agree that all the parts of the puzzle are there, but the puzzle hasn't been put together. What I'm saying is I, I have no statistics of whether people are at home more or less or work from home more or less, but all the technology is there. That if you wanted mm-hmm. to, you could never leave the house. That that's perfectly f- technically possible now. And even like the things that even when you travel, the advertisements like for Airbnb and stuff are like uh, it's it it's like belong here. So it's like create your home outside of your home. Starbucks famously, their whole mission statement was to create the third space. So you have your home space, your workspace. And then they wanted to be the third space in your life. That was their their thing. Now, if people yeah. are working at home, you know, then it's like actually Starbucks is your second space. And I did think that it's worth bringing up that like I know a lot of people who work at home, and one thing that they they desire is to go work in a coffee shop among other people, but not because they're meeting another person, but to work alone in a coffee shop. And of course, I'm sure you're aware co working spaces in New York have become like a big thing. Uh, and this seems like to contradict your, your, yeah, exactly. We work as yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. biggest so the, companies, one of the most yeah. highly valued companies in the world. Yeah, no, I, I think you're perfectly yeah. right. That it's interesting that the technology is there to never leave the house, but people still choose to leave the house. Yeah, I mean, so I, d- I heard a statistic. Their news news came out this week that 30% of all Americans are working at home now. So they have a day job and they also moonlight uh, at night. Not because they want to, but because they have to, uh, because they don't make enough money to afford whatever lifestyle they're living. So they do something um, like uh, but I think it's interesting. or uh, Bitcoin trading or Yeah, whatever. or someone might... Yeah, they might freelance graphic design or they might drive for Uber. They, yeah, maybe they do something on Fiverr. But it's one, one in three people. That's a large number of people. That's 100 million people in America. That's crazy. Um, and I think what's interesting about that, it is, it's super crazy. And what's crazy is that they're bringing work into the home in a way that, that's unprecedented for the his, you know, history of American uh, society. And so if people really aren't going out and they're bringing the work now back into the home... <laughs> <laughs> the home is like doing some really heavy lifting. Oh, right? man. And so now it, the home, the, like we I actually think, working is social. Been these, there's been these different shifts in uh, uh, not increasing wages, but just adding. So first it was only the man working. Then the wife also started working. Then they started getting credit cards and then they get, getting more loans. And then you get a second job. And now maybe you have a job from home. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so so like there's this idea that there's no non-working time, but the th- funny thing is I think social time is also working time, like my coffee shop example. And yeah. so I mean for me the real question is is anyone reserving time, social time to just like dance? I I keep coming back to dance, but I think it's kind of funny to think about because well, it's a total it, yeah, it's totally useless as an activity. Fun. Like when when do you have time to have fun? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like there's a certain judgment associated with having fun. It, and in fact, like you said, the only way to have fun is if you're, you force yourself to be unconscious. That is to say, if you drink so much 
that you there's no way you could work even if you wanted to. So it's like <laughs> you've done it. You have to and chemically right, so induce like, a state of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, I mean, one thing that's interesting is there's a heroin epidemic, and it's not interesting, it's actually tragic, right? But, like, fentanyl has, like, made uh, waves through America and now Europe as well. Like, apparently, I was just reading in the UK, they're in the midst of their own fentanyl epidemic. But, like, what is fentanyl except, like, the best, quickest way to forget that you have work to do? Oh, that's really horrible. I shouldn't have said that. Wow. Where are we but, going with this episode? Yeah. <laughs> but it, well, the episode's going, just, like, why don't you that, go out? Just, well, because you're... you're but one thing that really yeah. struck me now is it, it, we often talk about the, the things are changing fast, and I'm always a little bit skeptic. I'm like, are things changing that fast? But then when you flash back 50 years, you're like, wow, the, the, the days that uh, someone who delivered the mail could support a family of four. Yeah, okay, here's the story for a time traveler. Like, So you go back to 1970, like, what's it like in the future? And you're like, well, in the future, um, I work 18 hours at home. Uh, I have a, a day job, too, but they asked me to uh, call in from home. And I have an office. I, I spend most of my time doing that. And then to have fun, um, I take a drug that um, I, I'm likely to die of one in every five times that I use it. And um, yeah, but I do that at home as well, just so that I can go to sleep because I have tremendous back pain from having poor posture at my desk or something or working on the couch. It is really a horrible situation that we've created. Mm. But um, yeah, how are we going to get ourselves to a positive place? I'm. Well, I'm sure you've heard about these morning disco parties, and so I have some friends that have gone to them, but I think it's not really a thing. Oh, you haven't heard about this? So there's this, right, like in the midst of all this, like, you know, crazy work schedules, a a trend emerged, and I think it came out in New York, but I could be wrong, maybe it was in Europe, out of London, but to have morning raves, so the raves go from 6am to 9am, so you can get to work and not be like hungover, (laughs) so it's like you wake up with all (laughs) of the energy to go dancing, and then you can roll right into your work day. To me, People it almost in, sounds terrible. They already did that in Berlin, where you have the the parties that go on from Friday night till Monday morning, and you could just step in. So some people will have brunch on Sunday and then go to the party. Oh yeah, yeah. But I think that in Berlin they wouldn't go to work on Monday, would they? Or work on on Monday would be like nobody, you come in. Nobody works and, in Berlin. Yeah, that's the thing. No one even has a job. Or like traditionally speaking, they had a very high unemployment rate, right? Yeah, but um, this, I mean, it's its a little bit depressing, this idea. It, at the same time, it could be beautiful where you could live far from a city and uh, have a lot of space and it's very affordable and you have access to all the information and goods of the world and uh, you could do something like online graphic design, but because your life is so much cheaper, you could live a pretty good life. But do you ever think about that? Yeah, of course. I was living that life um, up until I started my work at FreshBooks eight years ago. I was living in different cities. Like I lived in Berlin for a few months. I, you know, lived in Toronto. I lived, did you know, a couple mo- you know months in Philadelphia or whatever. And I was just freelancing for different clients all over the world. And I could move around, and no one knew where I was. They were like, "Oh, do you live in New York?" Or like, I'd be like, "No, I don't really yeah, live that's anywhere." What I, that's I really what I'm talking kind of about. The, the, that, that it might be that's very relevant to our podcast because we can talk about fentanyl addicts, but I don't think a lot of our listeners are <laughs> in that realm. 
it, right. I, it is interesting the laptop lifestyle of hey I, I have a a postal code in a city but I'm not there that often and uh, I'm, I'm online and wherever I sit is my office and I could be I could travel with the seasons I could uh, do something like an apartment swap and just be wherever I want to be and th that sort of future I mean that could be a brighter also, future than being a fentanyl morning raver and yeah and I think that's also closer that's also closer to the romantic idea I was sold as a young artist I was like picking up on the threads of like historically artists were allowed to move you know within society they were allowed to move geographically quite a lot more than regular people not because there was a law, but because the social networks of art, as we've spoken about previously, are much more global generally. And even like, you know, because even within Europe, right, artists would travel between cities um, and they, they didn't have a traditional job. And so they might congregate uh, in, in a city for a while and move to another city. Or I think this might be common with science as well, where it's such a specialized profession that if you need to talk about someone who is... Uh, researching something similar, that person is probably not going to be near you. Right. And this idea even that we've spoken about, you know, previously of a residency in art was so fundamental, like getting outside of wherever you were, like actually leaving the house um, was a part of self-discovery and, you know, changing your perspective theoretically so that you have new to generate new ideas. Writers, of course, you also have access to residencies for the same idea with the same reason in mind because to challenge your expectations is to potentially uncover new territory but uh, i would say yeah. like something else not that you're forced to do is like try and uncover the human condition right yeah 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 and but like one other responsibility we haven't talked about that the artist usually has assigned to them is this like this broadcast of the human condition and i wonder whether the artists making work today are presenting more of a solipsistic or like personal media kind of point of view versus I don't know, maybe like an like an all-encompassing kind of... Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is I th like... I think if you look at the history of photography, there's always waves of all of a sudden somebody of a certain subculture will make a, a photo essay about a life that nobody knew about. And, and through that kind of documentary photography, all of a sudden a story like The Fentanyl right. Addicts can become very real and relatable. Right, 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 right. Um but I'm thinking, like, what's Trevor Poglin, you know, making photos about now? He's showing you the physical internet, like, as, you know, a portal, like a, like a, like just a sewer pipe, you know, on, on the edge of an island somewhere in the world or whatever. You and mean Evan, like, Evan Roth? Well, Evan's done that too, actually. I was thinking Trevor also did that. Okay. Or, or we're looking at, like, um, you know how computers see us, you know, and or like trying to figure yeah, yeah, out that's what I basically Trevor the sociology. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to see figure out the sociology of the internet, basically, though, or of digital media and surveillance. Um, yeah. But one device that he created actually was like a sculpture that's a internet router, right? And it has like a, it allows you to like log on to the router. It's called like. Uh, what's that piece called? It's like something cube. Um, and you log in and it's like, you're like, pri it's private internet within the museum space or whatever. But uh, back to you personally, do you ever think of uh, moving away? Uh, and and it, it, do, you, do you ever talk with your partner about creating uh, 
a sort of pod and a sort of private space, where a, a sort of utopia. Maybe that's where I'm getting at. Maybe it's something like a school or something. Um, hmm. I I would imagine because you're so you're so much about community and interactions between artists that I could see you running a sort of physical space in a forgotten city or something like that. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people that have that are doing that or have done that in the forms of like isolated residencies and things like that. But I was just reading this week about all the people that are earning all these millions of dollars in cryptocurrency or potentially losing it right now. But like all these people have um, moved to Puerto Rico <laughs> and they've started oh. like a new utopia there, which are they're calling like, uh, what is it called? It's like cryptopia or something like that. But like, and, and they want, they want to, they're like talking about buying naval bases in there and, and having like a whole community, which is really interesting because You'd think that these crypto people would be just like my friend who grew up on the internet. They wouldn't want to, you know, congregate physically. And and frankly, creating physical space just seems like contradictory to the whole crypto movement. But their first impulse was to move to Puerto Rico, all get together and form a commune, uh, which I think is really strange. That also sounds like you would be a target for kidnappings. Like, well, I think they're thinking of it like they're building a military base because they're talking about how they're looking for spaces that have runways and deep sea ports. Like, they want to start a second civilization, like yeah, start yeah, over. Yeah. And they think Puerto Rico is great James because Bond in the wake of the hurricane, it's totally James Bond villain. But actually, that's a great point, Raphael, which is like, at least in science fiction and the movies, like the most socially isolated people are usually these villains. <laughs> and they usually have these like <laughs> isolated huge comp kind of compounds. And yeah, then they yeah. invite they've, people they've in. They've spent their they whole never, life they, accumulating wealth so they could be away from... That, that's an interesting point that a lot of a lot of wealthy people will spend a lot of money to not have to interact with people. Yeah, it's like, okay, if you're Michael Jackson, it's like, I could go to Disney World or I could build it in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that right? idea. Yeah, it's so funny. Well, they do that at startups too. I like, I visited museum. a startup office. I don't want to go to MoMA. I, I want my own museum. <laughs> it's true. I visited a startup recently and, like, and they had a bowling alley in their office. And I was like, is, does anyone ever use this bowling alley? Not only is that a 1950s version of going out, right? Like, and and this is true in a lot of startups, but like no one play, no one's going bowling anymore. I don't need to build that into my office. Um, <laughs> but that was kind of the the nineteenth century billionaire's idea of a cool house with your own bowling alley. <laughs> I think it's just the ultimate display of space because the alley aspect require it just like the physical amount of space that in a swimming pool, right? Like anything that requires a large trench of space. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The croquet I would love fields my own is another pool. one. I, I will admit that the the <laughs> idea that you wake up and it, like before breakfast to swim for twenty minutes that seems really fun. Well, you could probably have a swimming pool if you just were willing to live in literally any other American city, like in or at least yeah. any non-coastal American city kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do have a yeah. huge swimming pool called the Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. It's all yours, but um, yeah. <laughs> pretty it's pretty cold though yeah yeah but I, when I'm, I'm always struck when i fly over california or new mexico or arizona like if you look down almost every house has a pool mm. um and it's like no one's yeah. ever in the pools or seemingly like they're just there as a status symbol so you want to um, you want to create the airbnb for pools 
I don't know if I want to create that. But one thing I know is here in Toronto, we have a few public pools that are super, super popular, but they were built, they were all built in like the 1920s and 30s because there was no air conditioning. People had to go out and they had to go to these big public pools. These pools are seemingly still popular. I'm not sure why. I guess not everyone still has air conditioning. But air conditioning is another reason why we don't all go out anymore, right? Like it, there was a time when being indoors was actually uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. And so I mean, you I would see, have to I go see, I see that to the a country. Lot like, in, uh, in, the, in my neighborhood in, in Chinatown, the elderly, they all live in such tiny homes and they often live with uh, three generations in a tiny apartment. So everybody hangs out outside all day. It seems, from my point of view, it seems they're really happy. They're yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. doing tai chi and singing and playing uh, dominoes, and uh, they're just always together. Yeah, and there's this idea of a commons, and even certain architects, you know, tried to build, you know, and even in Germany, right? You have the Hof, like in the and in a lot, a lot of Scandinavian countries too. So, an apartment complex in the center of that complex will be a little community square where people have picnics or like. I mean, less so in Berlin and places like that, but in certain family areas uh, where there might be like the whole, you know, the apartment gets together. Yeah, they're playing chess in that area. Gar- there's usually a, a public garden or something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. is, is Canada similar to the U.S. that it's about having your own little thing and your, your own little pool and your own little driveway? And that's the Canadian uh, yeah, dream. Is that similar I, I, to the I, American dream? Yeah, I'm not going to claim that it's not. I'll just sit like where where I am in Toronto anyway. That there's densification prop uh, sort of uh, policies, and so it's mostly about owning a condo, and then like there's like shared resources. But I think most people, if they could, because there's a green belt here, you can't. There's no houses to buy, um, so that's not an option. Uh, it's really it's a weird it's weird. It's different than America in some ways because of public policy. Um, but there are people that definitely aspire to that, and there are huge suburban kind of tracks. It's just not the same. I don't know how to explain it. We just don't. The people live densely in cities, um, so there are a few cities, and they're kind of like surrounded by suburbs. But the suburbs don't go as big and as far as, um, hmm. say, like oh, I've been spending time in Chicago and Illinois, the whole state of Illinois is the whole the entire state is the suburbs, right? It's like never. It never stops, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's like somewhere between Europe and Europe and the United States, I'd say. I, and what okay. about in Japan? Is what is it like there? Um, I think there is a history here of of otaku and nerd people to never leave the house and uh, be very deep in whatever they're in, whatever obsession they're into. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, 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 when you're out like, on the street, it's very it's very packed. You see people everywhere. But is that like um, you say otaku? Is that like a Buddhist thing, or what were you saying about it? What oh is no, that? otaku is a nerd culture. It's it's a sort of a word that means fan or obsessive or enthusiast. So you can mm. be an otaku of uh, anime or or of uh, old style electric radios or. Uh, uh, robots or whatever geeky thing you're into and go very deep into that that's an otaku and is that socially acceptable or yeah i think so i think the 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 they take the nerdy thing to another level let's let's put it that way Hmm. 
Because I was also thinking that, like, you know, this idea, Buddhist or kind of idea of being alone, and like, the, I I had a brother, uh, not a brother-in-law, but rather the brother of a, a girlfriend once who, and actually, I work with someone who goes to these like uh, retreats once a year that are Buddhist retreats, and they're they're retreats where you spend time together, but you're not allowed to talk the whole time, and it's like a thousand people for this like Buddhist conference, but there's no talking. Um, and it's like a vow of silence in, the, in this context. I wondered whether, um, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about what we're talking about because we assume that to be social is to get out and talk and communicate with other people. Um, but it might be just like in this Buddhist kind of mindset anyway, the it's there's like a peer support or something. There's like a sense of belonging uh, and yeah. silence at the same time. Kind of like I'm nuns in a sure, convent, the, I guess. The, the people the people I know in Japan all work really hard and they all work in offices together. I don't know so many people who just work at home. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen. And I shouldn't. Just, I, I'm I not. See, s- I do see that Amazon is huge here, so they're, they're not free from that either. It's similar, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't heard of people. Yeah, I'm not sure, but there there is a, a very particular. Um, tendency here that the countryside is emptying out very fast and it has an aging population. So maybe they're at home mm-hmm. a lot. One thing we haven't talked about at all, of course, is like once you have a family, there's a whole sociology of the family and there's no real reason to socialize outside the family because the family is its own social unit. Um, and I can't really speak to that except that I grew up in a family of, I grew up in a family of seven. And it reminds me that like in, German culture, there's this culture of board games after dinner, right? Like, and the idea of a family dinner, of course, we know in America has been like completely dissolved by the entertainment industry. So, you know, all the way back (laughs) to the 1950s with TV dinners. But in Germany, the tradition is after dinner, um, the family plays a board game together. And there's a whole generation of board game designers that design one hour long, one hour long board games. uh, So that just made for families to have this time together after eating dinner. And that family social time is like kind of a crucial component of the German family economic unit. Yeah, maybe it's um, also because the German like, food yeah. is so heavy that you, you can't get off the table. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or maybe they're, yeah, <laughs> it's an excuse for move, so the okay, family to have yet good. another round of beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was trying to make one last good point, which is like um, going, we assume that going out is a positive thing to do, but for a family, Going out is actually a horrible thing quite often, and it's very stressful. <laughs> um, my parents mm. hated taking us out because, like, taking five kids out, screaming and tearing, you know, tearing their hair out. Basically, yeah, it's expensive, and they don't um, even care about the food. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and they're just kind of out causing trouble. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, we're just okay. about out of time on this like time delayed podcast. Yeah, I'm curious how it will sound uh, to our listeners because for us, it's kind of a a waiting game. This has been really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll listen but to a you bit. You do have of, a field recording, I, I, right? I did some. Yeah. I, I went to karaoke with the museum people yesterday and uh, we ended the session with a communal song. So we sang uh, We Are the World All Together. And that's what we're going to listen oh, to. Oh, that's such an, appro- such an appropriate song. So you went out together yeah. and you talked about being together. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, well then uh, see you next week. Thanks everyone. Please send in more field recordings and we need ads actually. We really need ads. We want to advertise your idea, yeah, your 
Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Bye bye.